This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to another episode of The Standard is the Standard. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I welcome everyone to this bi-week edition of The Standard is the Standard. This is the longest-running podcast on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I normally end the show talking about this, but I wanted to start the show this time talking about this. And what I'm saying is that I hope wherever you're listening or wherever you're watching, that you understand that you can see our podcast and hear our, our podcast in so many different platforms now since we've joined the SB Nation group of podcasts for the NFL brand sites. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, as you always have been able to. You can also find us on Google Play, Stitch, Art19, everywhere you look. You'll find <coughs> excuse me, the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast. So that's the standard is a standard. That is also um, the Steelers Hangover, the Steelers Post Game Show, and the Steelers Preview. So all of our weekly shows are right there for your viewing pleasure. Now, you might be wondering, it seems like Jeff's by himself. Well, I am by myself, at least for now. Uh, our My co-host, Lance Williams, is stuck in traffic. He will be here shortly. And I wanted to start the show by saying we're also going to have another guest. We're going to have Chris Carter from 
DKPittsburghSports.com, who used to be a contributor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, on to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and his experience so far this year in the locker room. When the Steelers play at home, folks, he's in the locker room. He's asking questions. He's in the press box. He has a very unique perspective on this 2018 Steelers team. So if you're watching live on YouTube right now, I'm opening this up for questions before I get to talking about some of the burning questions that still remain. That's kind of the topic of this episode because there's really no, nothing to preview. We can look back at the Bengals victory, but at the same time, there's a lot of questions still lingering with this team and the bye week is the perfect time to go over it. So I want to just make sure that if you're watching live on YouTube, I have the, op- the live chat open as we speak. And I wanted to see if we could, Get some questions and answers going right off the bat. Not a bad time to do it. So uh, I already see one, uh, and that is from our Kevin Colbert. Wow, I didn't know he was a viewer of the show, but he is. He said, can we bench Artie Burns and trade for Patrick Peterson? Well, in a perfect world, it would be that easy. In the Madden generation, it is that easy. It's the, okay, Artie Burns, you're not playing well, so we're going to bench you, and we're going to go out and make a blockbuster trade and get Patrick Peterson. But at the same time, it's not real life. (laughs) The Steelers don't have a lot of salary cap space as it is. Uh, I don't know who they would trade. I don't think the Cardinals would want Le'Veon Bell, considering they have David Johnson, um, nor do they want to spend that much money on a running back. They just gave David Johnson a big contract. So I think for me, that it's kind of wishful thinking. Um, It's a different scenario than when they got Joe Hayden, in my opinion. But at the same time, I wrote an article today. uh, There were some really good quotes by uh, Artie Burns, or I should say Joe Hayden and Tom Bradley, who's the new secondary coach for the Steelers, talking about Artie Burns. Um, Joe Rudder of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review had those broken down. I kind of took them and put them into an article about how the Steelers cannot afford to give up on Artie Burns just yet. And that was another question by Austin. It says, "Is is there any hope for Artie Burns? In my opinion, there is still hope. Because in my, I've I watched this kid, and no one expected big things out of him as a rookie. But he didn't play all that bad when he was inserted into the lineup in the second half of the season. Sure, he had his gaffes, but a lot of rookies do. Second year, up and down year. But again, he showed some promise. He showed enough flashes that people were excited for year three. Year three comes, and now all of a sudden it's a dumpster fire. Uh, he's not. He doesn't look like a player that has any confidence at all left in him. He looks like he is mentally drained. And Joe Hayden might have put it best when he said, look, we all can use this bye week just to step away, just to kind of get our get everything back in line and maybe get our minds right. The Steelers have obviously been on the fence with Artie Burns. You wouldn't have he and Cody Sensabaugh splitting reps if you were sold on him being the guy. But at the same time, the Steelers invested a number one, a first round draft pick in Artie Burns. So all the people that want him benched, but he was benched against Cincinnati in that final drive when it mattered the most. The people that want him gone, they're not going to get rid of this guy. Now, will it impact their the fifth year option? Absolutely it will. But he's not going anywhere. And if the Steelers could somehow get this kid to play up to his potential, because he still does have potential. He has speed, he's long, he's rangy. Um but he still has those mental mistakes, and that's something they have to get get over. So they're not gonna they're not gonna abandon Artie Burns, nor should they abandon Artie Burns just yet, in my mind. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, Keystone Wolf brings up a good point. October 30th, which is the trade deadline, is going to uh, it's it's approaching quickly. So the Steelers, if they're going to make a move, I doubt it's for Patrick Peterson. They would have to do so pretty soon. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, any other questions? How about a pass rusher for Bell? Uh, Dupree is not the guy. Dupree is not having a blockbuster year. I wouldn't say that. But did anyone expect him to have a blockbuster year? Uh, the Steelers picked up his fifth-year option, and a lot of fans freaked out when they did that. They're thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy hasn't done anything. He's a bum, yada, yada, yada. We called him Dud Dupree on this show before. But the fact of the matter is that the fifth-year option can be taken back whenever they want, unless he gets injured. Look at Ryan Shazier. Because he was injured and they picked up his fifth-year option, he then is guaranteed that money. But Dupree... I think he does what the Steelers ask him to do well. He is athletic. He covers well in the, uh, obviously, against the pass. And ultimately, what he lacks in pass rushing technique, he's not a Von Miller type. He makes up for with athleticism. The problem is, is that even with that athleticism, sometimes it leaves a lot to be desired. So with Bud Dupree, the Steelers will stick with him, just like I, I just talked about Artie Burns. I, he's not going anywhere. I doubt they even cut him. I think they probably do keep him on the fifth-year option because he is playing a little bit better. He's getting sacks. I want to say he might have three sacks on the season right now. I could be wrong. If you were, if you have those stats in front of you and you're in the live chat, let me know. But ultimately, with Bud Dupree, can he just draw enough attention to free everyone else up? That's my question. Is he not constantly just going to run up the arc and take himself out of the play? or what his new favorite move is, act like he's going to press up the arc and do a really weird spin and inside roll that doesn't work and just get stoned by the tackle. He has to be able to draw some attention. But has proven that he's a little bit more polished as a pass rusher. But remember, folks, this is not... Heck, I want to say this isn't your grandparents' 3-4 defense. This isn't even my 3-4 defense when I was a kid back in the 90s when you had Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd, and then that transitioned into Joey Porter, Clark Hagens, James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, Jason Gildon, Jason Worlds. All these players that I'm rattling off were the traditional 3-4 Dick LeBeau style or Dom Capers back in the 90s rush the quarterback. Now you can always remember, at least I do, that image of Bill Cower talking to Greg Wood on the sideline and him hitting his pad short pass going, rush the quarterback. Basically saying you have one job, rush the quarterback. That's it. Well, now that's not the case. You would never see Keith Butler or Mike Tomlin hitting Bud Dupree or TJ Watt saying rush the quarterback. No, they'd say, we want you to rush the quarterback sometimes, but we also want you to cover the flat, drop back into your zone, Make sure you can cover the inside. Make sure you set the edge. There's a lot more to it now. Defense has gotten more sophisticated. So, yes, Dupree is not playing well. But, again, did anyone expect him to blow the doors off? I think I projected him at, I think we said the over-under preseason was six or seven sacks for Dupree. He's on pace to break that mark. And I think that's a pretty that's a pretty good sign. No one is expecting a double-digit season from him. If he does, awesome. But I don't think anyone's expecting that. So, there you go, Bud Dupree. He and Burns, boy, are they kind of alike, you know? When you think about it, 
it, the, just the the way that they're the first round pick, a lot of people were wondering, are they really first round talent? Did the Steelers reach? What are they? How are they going to fit? Both very raw, very athletic, but can they become the polished player that you want at those positions? And those positions, a cornerback and outside linebacker, the technicians are one of those are, are typically the people that perform the best. You look at Von Miller, as I said earlier about just he the way he approaches the pass rush is so awesome to watch. I watched a YouTube clip and he was working with other players, some in college, some young pros about what he does to set up his pass rush moves. It is, is a chess match. I recommend everyone look, check it out, but still at the same time, Bud Dupree is not in that category. Never has been daddy ever will be. All right. So let's see if we have any other questions here. Some people are asking about Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen, in my opinion, he was hurt most of training camp. Um, and if someone did correct me, Melvin, thank you. He does have three sacks. I was right. Mind powers, people. Um, Marcus Allen was injured most of training camp, and I felt that the only reason he was given a roster spot was potential at special teams, and they didn't want him to get picked up by someone else. I think they like Marcus Allen, but at the same time, I think they realize he's not ready. He's not ready to see 11 on 11 defensive football. And where does he fit? And that's, that's what you have to ask yourself. He's a thumper. He's the guy that wants to play in the box and attack the run and hit those shallow crosses. But he's not a guy that can cover well. So you have Sean Davis now at the free safety position, and he's done a very good job. I hope fans realize that. Then you have Terrell Edmonds, who's been playing instead of Morgan Burnett because Burnett's been hurt. Where does Marcus Allen fit in this equation? Jordan Dangerfield got the helmet instead of him last week when Burnett was that again. That should that tells you a lot. So I think they're basically taking this as a redshirt season for Marcus Allen, barring a lot of injuries. And maybe by the end of the season, he'll be seeing special teams play. I don't know. But I think it's like a redshirt season, and then uh, you know we'll see. All right, so some people still talking about Artie Burns. Um, let's see here. Patrick Peterson talking. I don't think that. Um Isaac, yes, we talked about Patrick Peterson. I don't think that's going to happen. It's a nice thought, though. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Case Smooth writes Joe Hayden. And he's talking about Joe Hayden. And Joe Hayden's doing a great, a great job, not just on the defensive side of the football, not just physically, I should say. He's also doing a tremendous job in communicating. This is a guy that is in a <laughs> – I wish I had a clip that I could just kind of insert here – Go back to the Jacksonville playoff loss in 2017. And you just go back to what those pre-snap looks look like for the Steelers. If you remember, it literally looked like chickens running around with their heads cut off. You had two players that were pointing this way and that way, and they're motioning one way, and then another guy's crossing someone else off. No, 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 we got to do this. And it went to... It was chaos. That's the best way to describe it. It was nothing but pure chaos. No one knew what anyone's responsibilities were. No one knew anything. And a lot of that could be pinned to the fact that Ryan Shazier was the leader and the communicator and the hub of that defense in terms of communicating to the back end, communicating to the front, really making those calls. And so without Shazier, you're thinking, okay, what are they going to do? Who's going to do that? Sean Spence, who's on a couch? No. Vince Williams, maybe, but he wasn't even experienced enough. So now it's Joe Hayden. If you watch, that's especially in the back end and the secondary, 
that is really keeping everything calm. When you see Terrell Edmonds kind of moving around a lot and you see other guys communicating, it's just Joe Hayden that's calming people down. And it should be noted that the game that he missed in week two against the Chiefs was when the secondary looked like a dumpster fire. He, and you know who else I would put in this category in terms of defensive most valuable player, is Mike Hilton. Both of these players do so much more than just their physical attributes on the football field. Yeah, they're playing tremendous football, but they're also so valuable to the defense in so many different ways. It's worth talking about because if you're talking about most valuable player, and that's what I hate about MVP voting anymore, people think MVP is just the best player. It's the pay a player with the best statistics. That's not necessarily the case. In my opinion, I, I think the MVP should be the most valuable player to whatever team or unit, whatever the case may be. And so for me, Joe Hayden is by far the most valuable player on the Steelers defense right now. I ask you if you're watching on YouTube right now in, I'm, I'm honestly saying like, let me know if you, if you can think of someone else that is more valuable right now to this Steelers defense than Joe Hayden, I, I'm good. I'll, I'll be more than willing to listen and to see what you think. But to me, it's Joe Hayden and Mike Hilton. Might, if it's 1A, 1B, it might be Mike Hilton. Because when Mike Hilton missed, boy, did they miss that guy too. Because his blitzing off the edge, his, ab his ability to cover and to, and to tackle, folks. He is a good tackler. I'm not saying he never misses a tackle, but he's a good tackler. And that's something that the Steelers desperately need. <clears throat> I knew someone was going to say this. Someone said Cameron Hayward. I get that. He's the defensive captain. and that's beyond approach in terms of what he brings to the field. He's a, he's a hustler. He, he never quits on a play, but in terms of value on the field, if Cam Hayward went down and Joe Hayden and everyone was still healthy, I feel like they could probably get by with their defense and the way that they have it set up. Would it be as good? No, but I still think they could get by Joe Hayden goes down. You're screwed. And, you're, and that, that brings value with it. I, I still believe that brings value with it. Because if Joe Hayden goes down, now all of a sudden what you thought was a, a very plentiful quarterback situation with Cameron Sutton and Cody Sensabaugh and Artie Burns, you take Joe Hayden out of the equation, now all of a sudden Artie Burns is thrust into a starter role again. We talked about Artie Burns at length earlier in this podcast. And then you have Cameron Sutton. Is he ready? is Cody Sensabaugh starter. That's what we call a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. So Cameron Hayward deserves a lot of credit for the work that he does. And he's a captain for a reason. I am not discrediting Cameron Hayward in any way, shape, or form. But in terms of value, I don't think that he's more valuable than Hayden at this time. Definitely at this time. Um, okay. So let's see if we have any other questions here. All right, here we go. Uh, Russ asks, why do we, we being the Steelers, not use Roosevelt Nix more on blocking behind some of the biggest runs? Nix is blocking. It's, it's, it has sprung some big runs. The, the, you know it's crazy to me? Uh, I go back two weeks uh, when they beat the Atlanta Falcons. I was really excited with seeing Roosevelt Nix on the field more. And when I looked up the snap counts of that game, I was stunned when I saw that, I think he only played eight offensive snaps, and several of those were on the in the goal line situation. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger likes to have a fullback on the field. 
I think that's what it comes down to. Like a lot of people ask this question all the time. Like, why aren't they using Roosevelt Nixmore? I don't think the quarterback likes to have a fullback on the football field because he can't throw the ball to him that much. Even though Roosevelt Nix has caught passes, he has shown that he can catch. I think that's honestly the reason why you don't see Roosevelt Nix on the field that much. Roosevelt Nix can do it. And I think there's a time and place for him to do his job in terms of lead blocking. But again, this isn't Bill Cowher's offense. This isn't Mike Malarkey with Dan Kreider leading the way for Jerome Bettis or Willie Parker. This is this is a new style offense. This is an offense that is going to see a lot of shotgun, a lot of single back looks. You're looking at 11 and 12 personnel all the time. And even heck now, the Steelers would rather put out three tight ends than use their fullback more often. Why? Versatility. That's what it comes down to. You put out Vance McDonald, Xavier Grimble, and Jesse James. All three of those players, not only can they block, I wouldn't say that they're superb blockers, but they can block, but they can also, or they also are viable threats in the passing game as well. So you can throw Xavier Grimble and Vance McDonald in a bunch formation on the right side, and you can run it to the right and give yourself extra blockers, or you can play action and have some options open over the middle. That's what the Steelers want to do. Those are the mismatches they want to create. So as much as I love Roosevelt Knicks and what he brings to the Steelers, that's probably why he's just not playing as much in the offense is because when he's in there, it limits what they can do. It limits their personnel options, and that's not what the Steelers, and that's not what Ben Roethlisberger like to do. I should also mention that a couple people on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com have said, why would the Steelers give Roosevelt Knicks this contract if he's not going to play? people were forgetting his value on special teams. Roosevelt Nix is one of the best special teams player and players in the AFC. And he's proven that time and time again, both on kick unit, kicking units and um, on blocking units, like on field goal blocks, especially punt blocks. He's already had one punt block, punt block, easy for me to say uh, this year. So Roosevelt Nix's value goes beyond a fullback and also a special teams player, and the contract he signed was not ridiculous. It was worthy of what he does for the team. So to be honest, that's why, in my opinion, Roosevelt Nix does not see the field more. Do I think he should see the field more? It's tough to say yes when when it's the Steelers commit to running the football, and I want to say that's getting James Conner almost 20 carries. He goes over 100 without him being out there that often. So in terms of the Steelers and the way that they look at things and they might probably look at analytics and statistics and breakdowns and they're going to see that we can run the ball without him being in the lineup a lot and it gives us a lot more versatility. So there you go. That's for me. All right. Um, let's see if we have anyone else. Um, any other questions? Oh, here we go. We got Stefan to it. Melvin says Stefan to has been missing in action. His first sack last week. I thought the same thing. And I was kind of disappointed that Stefan Tua didn't have a breakout season. I think that last year, because of his injury, he tore his biceps early. A lot of people were thinking, this is the year he breaks out. He's healthy. He's got his money. Let's see it. You know, break out. Let's let's see that big year. And it hasn't happened. But, you know, Dale Lawley, who writes for DKPittsburghSports.com, and when Chris Carter joins us, hopefully here in a few minutes, I'd love to ask him about it. Dale Lawley wrote a really interesting article and the change in the Steelers' defense, when the Steelers' defense started to improve, mainly looking at the Falcons' game and then going into the Bengals' game, he mentioned how the defense and Keith Butler, and probably also by proxy Mike Tomlin, 
decided to change the way they were handling their defensive alignments and especially their defensive front. No longer were they asking Cameron Hayward and Stefan Tua to just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. They're asking them now to do what Brett Kiesel did, what Casey Hampton did, and what um, Aaron Smith did when he was on the line, and that is we want you to eat up blockers, plug the holes, and let the linebackers flow to the ball. This is where the athleticism of TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, and if someone like LJ Fort, if he can get in the lineup more, it's another good athlete that has good lateral speed, can run sideline to sideline. That's what they want them to do. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be rushing the quarterback and they're not going to try to collapse the pocket and get interior pressure. I just think that they're going to limit their opportunities to just try and get after the quarterback. So that might be one of the reasons why Stefan to its numbers in terms of sacks are not as great, but it should work in tandem. If to it and Hayward sacks get lower, they go down, but someone else's go up, whether that's TJ Watt, whether that's Bud Dupree, then they're doing their job. So that could be a reason why um, that could be a reason why we don't see as much production from Stefan to it. I think they're going to pick their spots. And that's also why we've seen more Dan McCullers and less Javon Hargrave this season. They're playing almost even split time, but Dan McCullers went from playing six snaps in a season to almost six to eight snaps, maybe even more in a game. That's a pretty big switch. And it's because of this shift in philosophy so to speak on the defensive front and who's to say this isn't working teams aren't running on the Steelers as they had been they're not putting up points they held the high-powered Falcons offense which was averaging almost 30 points a game to 17 points um, I believe the Cincinnati Bengals offense was averaging almost 30 points they held them to 21 and up until that last drive they looked really good so that's kind of my that that's that's what I read into it. It was a great piece by Dale Lolly. I I highly recommend you check that out if you haven't. In terms of exactly what is going on, possibly with you know Stefan Tuitt, where's his numbers? Why isn't he playing well? All that stuff. So, okay, Vance McDonald, in case said just plain and simple, Vance McDonald's a beast. You know, it's funny to me, and I, I think I might have said this on our post game show. Everyone wanted this guy gone. You know, he has the ankle. I'm sorry, it was a foot injury. I apologize. He, he has a foot injury, and so he's sitting out preseason, training camp, mini, you know, all this stuff. He's, he's out, and no one sees him. No one hears from him. It's almost as if the Steelers hid him from the media. It was very rare that um, it's very rare that you see, like, oh, you know, we're going to interview Vance McDonald and see how close he is. You just didn't hear a lot about him. And so then he misses week one and Steeler fans are pissed and they're pissed because they picked this guy up and, a, and the Steelers picked this guy up in a trade with the 49ers. They gave up a draft pick for him. And what have we seen from him last year? It was riddled with ankle and shoulder injuries. And it's like, it, it seemed like it was starting off that way. Week two, not much week three and Monday night. Well, that's when the stiff arm happened. And that's obviously when he's just picked up and it, it's, he is a beast. That is the best way to put it. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I, I it's incredible to me when I see how he changes the offense. He's his speed, and that's something that Lance, my co-host Lance Williams, said on the post-game show. Jesse James is okay, but he doesn't have. It looks like he's running in quicksand. That's the best way I can put it. <laughs> he just has no lateral quickness. He has no quickness in general. 
whether that's lateral, unilateral, doesn't matter. Uh, Vance McDonald, for as big as he is, is a fast man. He's a big man, and he is willing to dish out some punishment. I guarantee you, when uh, defenses are watching film of the Steelers' offense, they're telling their defensive backs, if you get this guy one-on-one, don't expect him to run out of bounds because he's not running out of bounds. He's going right at you. And he said that after the Monday night game and the win over Tampa Bay, he is trying to inflict punishment. And I think right when he said that, right when he said that, and Steeler fans heard that, it's almost like their heart fluttered a little bit. It's like they're like, oh, this is the guy we've been waiting for since Heath Miller left. You know, the the, the guy that embodies the Pittsburgh Steelers, the blue collar town, the steel workers, which don't exist in Pittsburgh anymore. But anyways, that's kind of the reputation the Steelers have. He fits that mold. Um, He fits a lot of molds that Steeler fans will like. And I think that's why he's definitely come on. But you know, the funny thing is, is that let's be honest, it's still a small sample size. Vance McDonald, his health is key. I've been watching his hands because I remember when the Steelers picked him up via trade, I reached out to David Fuchillo of the 49ers website, the Niners Nation website for SB Nation. And I met him, and I've, I've met him in person and all that stuff. He's a great guy. I said, hey, Dave, Fuchs is what we call him. I said, Fuchs, what's the deal with Vance McDonald? I know nothing about this guy. And all he said was health issues, meaning he's injury prone. Second round pick was overdrafted out of rice and questionable hands. So after that glowing review from someone that covers the 49ers that would know the most about this guy, I was very wary of Vance McDonald. I'll be totally honest. I was very, I was, yeah, I don't know if Vance really, but you know what? He's shown that his hands have improved and let's be, let, people want to talk about a player's hands. And James Connor is another one that people talk about his hands and how he can't catch. Who's throwing him the football? So who was who was who was his quarterback in San Francisco? It wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo. He wasn't there when Jimmy G was there. I don't even know who it was. Um, I'm trying to think because it wasn't Kaepernick. It wasn't Jimmy G? I'm trying to think who was the interim quarterback. Was it Brian Hoyer at some point? I don't know. Regardless, it they weren't good. It wasn't a signature. It wasn't a signature name when you think of quarterbacks. It wasn't a Brady. It wasn't a Rodgers. It wasn't a Breeze. It wasn't a Manning. And it wasn't a Roethlisberger. So I think that now he's in a system where it it can feature him. Ben Roethlisberger is going to put the football where he should be putting the football. And Vance McDonald has not had any drops. I did fumble the ball twice. Once he lost. Once was recovered by Juju Smith-Schuster last week. That concerns me a little bit. But ultimately, in terms of his hands, I'm, 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 I think he's doing a great job. I think he's doing a great job. He is a monster. The Vanimal, as they call him. Awesome. So here we go. Let's keep on moving here. Um, Thomas says, we need uh, the top of Roosevelt next pound the rock at the end of the game. Dominate the team. You know, the thing is, Thomas, is that they, died, they did that without him against Cincinnati. I mean, they, they imposed their will on the Bengals, and they didn't need Roosevelt next the whole time. Um when they did use Roosevelt Knicks at times was down at the goal line in the red zone when they went two for four. Now they, they scored on obviously he had two rushing touchdowns. I'm not taking that away, but the two times where it was first and goal from the one yard line or in 
and they failed to put it in the end zone. Then Roosevelt Nix was on the field a couple of those times, so it's not just him. Let's keep that in mind that they can still run the ball. That's offensive line. The Steelers' offensive line has not suffered, given up a sack. Only one quarterback hit, hit in two games. That's unheard of in today's NFL. I'll say it again. No sacks, only one quarterback hit in two games. Now, I know the Atlanta Falcons' defense isn't that great, but Cincinnati's defense, everyone's talking about how great they are. I didn't see it, personally. Okay, let's see if we can go down here. And it looks like I have, have my co-host here joining me here in a second. Here, we'll do one more. Frank says, what's up with James Washington? He said, I thought he was going to contribute more. Could we have used that pick, say, on an inside linebacker instead of keeping or keep Bryant for one more year? Um, James Washington is a tough one for me because I don't know... I have I haven't watched him enough on the all twenty two to be able to see like what's really going on because he's getting the snaps he really is he's getting the snaps he's getting the time um, Ben Roethlisberger may not believe in him he might not trust him but he's getting the looks so um, ultimately for me I'm not sure what's going on with James Washington we'll see I think the bye week will do him well I think he's going to get some much needed repetitions in practice. And I think that ultimately he's going to be better. And speaking of, I don't know what's going on, is I don't know what's going on with Lance Williams. What's up, Lance? How's it going? I'm here, finally. want to apologize, listeners, for getting to my own show late. But, you know, sometimes that's how it is. And sorry for not wearing the mask. Yeah, you coward. What the hell? You guys got to come up with something else, man. The mask is hot. It's just, it's a little hot. It, it, it's kind of hard to manage and maintain. But but I'll do this, listeners. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, volunteer to go clean shaven like Jeff. So we'll both no, go clean shaven. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, no, we're not doing this. You can do the clean shaven thing, but I think every post game, if the Steelers win, so after the bye week and we do a post game show, you have to wear the mask until they lose. I think that's only fair. I'll I'll let okay, you off the hook. Okay, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that every post game. Yes, I'll let you it's... off the hook with the standard, but ultimately, I think that you need to buck up with the uh, the I mask will. on this. Okay, I will. you're right. You're right. Okay. My reputation is made of steel. So, <laughs> and it's uh, funny because <laughs> as as Lance joins the show, so does our special guest tonight, Chris Carter, who used to be. Hey. of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. CC, how's it going, my friend? How are you? It's going great, man. I'm in my car right now, but things things are going well. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, man. It's it's been a minute. What up, Lance? You you guys, I, I've been trying to get on y'all show. Y'all been trying to have me on your show, and it's like, why doesn't this happen like every week? I don't know. You're the man, CC. You tell me. You <laughs> you you're the man with the plan. So you know. <laughs> You know, it's your world, CC. We just trying to catch up with you. Uh, oh man, it's trust me. If it was my world, a lot of different things would be happening. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, you know this. You're our first guest since we've transitioned over to YouTube on this show. I've had you on our Steelers one-on-one show in the off season several times. But Chris, you've been in the locker room. You're in the press box at these games when they're at Heinz Field. I want to get a feel from you about what you think has changed. Not so much from an X's and O's standpoint, because we talk about that stuff all the time. 
is there anything that you've seen that could be tangible that you think is so you've seen change in the Steelers these past two weeks where all of a sudden it, it looks like a different football team. Have you seen anything that, that is of that's noteworthy, I should say? I, I, I see a team coming together, learning how to play with each other. Because I can tell you right now, um, there's several times I, I wrote about this on Carter's Classroom that the middle of the defense, if you think about it, is completely different than it was last year. Uh, yeah, other than Vince Williams, Sean Davis is playing a new position. Morgan Burnett, who can't even get on the field. Terrell Edmonds, who's a rookie, John Bostic, who's a new addition, um, and then after after that, you still ha- you're still trying to figure out what to do with L.J. Fort and Tyler Medikavich, who are still trying to figure everything out. I mean, the entire middle of the defense is is pr- is practically learning how to play with each other again. And I-, I said this: if you look back to 2016, when Shazier and Vince Williams and Mike Mitchell and Sean Davis were learning to play together. It took them about eight or eight or nine weeks before they started to come together and look like a, a good group. And I, I think that's been a huge difference is not just playing well on your own, but playing well together. Um, and I think that's been a huge point of, of emphasis for me, at least watching this team. But also you look around on the offense. The offensive line is really coming together. They're figuring out what ways best work with Connor's running styles. Um, and, I, and the more and more I, I look at, it, I think they're just they're they're learning how to play with each other. And this is just what good teams I think do in the NFL. You come out if things don't click right away, you find ways to make them click. You keep working at it, and eventually you grow as a group. Because not all the time, I and mean, most time, most teams do not just come out and just hit hit it on fire. And uh, as we've seen over the past what twelve years now, the teams that start out super hot rarely take it all the way and in fact the last team the 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 team that's been the last team to uh to remain unbeaten hasn't won a Super Bowl since the 2006 Indianapolis Colts so I I think it's just this this team is growing together and that's one of the things that makes this team environment one of the better in the league I want to follow up to Jeff's question CC by asking about Morgan Burnett What's the timetable that they're talking about for his return? And when he does return, do you think it's going to enhance his defense? Do you think it's going to be what you described before, where it's going to take a little bit of time for them to all gel together? And where do you think he's going to play? I think he's going to play a dime linebacker position, personally, in subs, and also be the starting safety. I I agree. I agree. I think he's going to be that dime linebacker. If you guys remember – uh, during that Bengals game, the two time there were two times in particular where AJ Green lined up in the slot. The Steelers were in zone, and he basically just ran right around Vince Williams. I think that Vince Williams spot is going to be the spot where Morgan Burnett might be when he comes back and beats healthy. Now, about when he's going to be healthy, that's very week to week because there's there's sometimes they think he's going to be ready and then he's just not. They're not trying to rush him back because. If they do and he's hurt for longer, then it's like he's, he's never going to be available. And um, I think they're just trying to just show patience with it, even though it seems very annoying and it just seems kind of pointless for fans. you got another Ladarius Green situation going on. Um, but as far as, but as, far as the, the chemistry, yeah, I think it's going to take time when he gets in the mix. But I think he's going to be a huge help because he's good at being physical with tight ends. He knows how to engage people. He knows how to play in space. And I, I've seen him really do well against the run when he's been asked to play in that space. Uh, and especially on those third downs, he's going he's gonna to be a person 
that can take the weight off of uh, off of Vince Williams and John Bostic to play over the middle all the time. Yeah, I would never be able to forget watching Vince Williams attempt to guard AJ Green. Yikes! And thinking to myself, "What the hell <laughs> is this?" So that'll that image will forever be burned into my psyche. Lance, before we go true or false with Chris Carter, did you want? Did you have any other questions for him? No, let's jump right into the TNF. All right, Woo! sounds good. So here's how this works, Chris. It's a true What's or up? false statement. It's a statement not a question, and then you okay. will say whether you think it's true or whether you think it's false. And you can expound on that a little bit. We'll all give our answers. So I will always say the statement, and then I will throw it to one of you two to answer first, and we'll see if we agree or disagree. With Lance, it's, he's wrong most of the time, and then um, I'm normally right. So are we ready? Everyone ready? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, good. Let's start with um, Mike Hilton. This is something I talked about at the beginning of the show before you guys joined Mike Hilton is the defensive MVP at the bye week. True or false? CC, go ahead. You go first. I'll say true. That guy does so much all over the field to cover for spaces. And, and you saw how against the Ravens, that pass rush just disappeared when he was off the field. Um, he, he is a guy that they can place on a lot. And, you know, he's constantly in the slot, floating around the middle of the field. But he does things that, that make up for so many spots, and he's the kind of guy that I think in the long run will be the guy that can take away a Julian Edelman, which has just painfully destroyed this team and William Gaze and the Ross Cockrells over the past few years. But right now, I mean, you look at, you know, people were talking about Joe Hayden's performance against Julio Jones, which was amazing. But there were times when Joe Hayden would switch off, and who would he pass him to? Mike Hilton. And Mike Hilton would run with this guy that pretty much has three feet on him, um, exaggerating, <laughs> but he would jump with this guy and say, I'm taking this away. And he did it again this week. Uh, when he, when he denied another great pass. Um, I, I, I yeah, I'm putting him as the MVP right now. I, I think that will change in the long run, but he's been the most consistent of any player. Um, you know, you could argue it's Joe Hayden because he's also been extremely consistent, but I have not had a game where I've put bad marks on Mike Hilton. All right, Lance, what do you say? True or false? Mike Hilton, MVP. I'm going to say false because I'm going to say it's Joe Hayden because Joe Hayden, when you wear that 23 now, uh, you know, when you when you have that number that when, when you're tasked to be the number one corner, that guy that shuts down guys and they're traveling with he's traveling now with the number one guy and you perform back to back like he did against A.J. Green and Julio Jones back to back and back to back weeks. I think you got to go with Joe Hayden. He gets tasked with the toughest matchup every week. And where I will agree with CC is those guys, in my opinion, are the two most irreplaceable pieces on the defense. So I don't necessarily disagree with CC. I think it's more of a 1A, 1B. Yeah, that's fine. I think it's really tight, really close. And I would have to give the edge to Hayden because Hayden has to play those number one guys. But in terms of having more on his plate, it's definitely Hilton. Hilton does more for that defense. But I think the MVP, because he goes up against the number one guy every week, week in and week out, is Joe Hayden. And we saw the impact of no Joe Hayden last year down the stretch when his defense was just outright trash for the last seven games. 
I'm going to have to agree. This pains me to say. I'm going to have to agree with Lance. Yeah, for those that listened at the beginning of the show, um, I actually had a really good back and forth with those that are commenting live on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for me is not so much like Lance brings up good points about Hayden going against the top receiver, and that's great. I look at it as value towards the defense. In other words, who's behind Hayden? People forget Artie Burns is a dumpster fire. He's a dumpster fire right now. Mm-hmm. And so when we came into the season, everyone thought, oh my gosh, look at all the plethora of cornerbacks the Steelers have. They've, never, they've never had this problem before. It's such a good problem to have. Well, yeah, let's reevaluate now entering the bye week. Artie Burns is a mental disaster. Yeah. Cody Sensabaugh is Cody Sensabaugh. Cameron Sutton is very unproven, especially on the outside. And then you have Joe Hayden and Mike Hilton. You take Joe Hayden out of the equation, Artie Burns is going to be thrust into a starting role, or Cameron Sutton's going to be on the outside, and I'm not sure about that. That's value to me, and that's why I think he's the most valuable player. But I like like both of you said, I would put he and Hilton 1A, 1B, no doubt about it. All right, next statement. Here we go. Um, the Steelers' offense will average 30 points per game this season. True or false? Just so we know, I'm pretty sure their average now is around 27 points per game correct me if i'm wrong lance maybe look that up cc we'll throw it over to you first the steelers will average over 30 points per game this season true or false i say true simply because i look at their schedule and i see teams that score points i see i see the chargers i see the patriots i see the saints um and sure you got the ravens you got the panthers you got the broncos um you know, and the Raiders don't score points, but they just also don't have a defense. I just think that th- this offense is much more cohesive. Um, and I- a lot of that I credit to Randy Feekner. Um, and not because people just, he's just smarter. I think that he has found a way to get Ben Roethlisberger to see the field so much better than he has in the past. And he takes horizontally scheming wise, he takes so more, so much more of what's available than he ever has. And you see very, very a lot less of those deep shots that he depended on to, to get his huge yards. And now you're seeing him say, you know what? Hey, if, you, if, you're, in, if you're in cover three and you're, and you're giving me this part of the field, I will take that. And, um, and, and letting the Steelers athletes run. So uh, I, I'm saying, yes, they'll, they'll get over 30 points because this offense still has not hit on all cylinders. And I think Ben Roethlisberger, once his arm comes back and you see those deep balls flare up, this, uh, this offense is going to be terrorizing people. If if I were to make you put a number out there, if you think they go over 30, Chris, what do you what do you think they average a game if they go over 30? Just- I mean, I'd, I'd say 33 just because, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's 10 games left. Um, you know, maybe 31 just to just – to, but I, I see them having a few 40-point performances in the coming weeks, and, and partially because they need to, but also because they uh, – be, because they're going to find ways to put points up on the board. Um, and I think that by, uh, say, week week nine, so like say not this not this upcoming against the Browns, not, not the Ravens game, but the, the game against the Panthers, you're going to see Ben Roethlisberger start to hit on those deep balls. You're going to see James Washington start to be in the, play, be in the playbook. Um, you're going to start to see um, Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown getting those deep shots on one-on-one coverage, and that's going to explode for the offense, and they're still going to have a strong ground game. I, I just I, I, I see that taking over and being too much for defenses to figure out. Okay, Lance, um, 30 points per game offensively. True or false? 
you know I'm going to say false. And they're averaging 28.5. The reason I'm going to say false is because... Ooh, he just said correct you, Lance. Yeah, uh, it, it's because they're inconsistent on third down. That that that's And they're inconsistent in the red zone. And, and throughout Ben's career, he's been an inconsistent red zone quarterback. But that's not really why I think they're not going to score 30. I think they've sort of found a nice little formula of how they want to play. And it's going to be more touches with the running back position. Now, I'm not going to say who, because I'm sure we're going to talk about that later in the program. But I think that they're, they're going to slow it down some, not be as big play dependent and big play heavy. And I think they are going to try to play in a way where they possess the football longer but still score touchdowns to try to really complement this defense by having this defense play less snaps and have the ball longer. So I don't think they're going to score 30, but I think it's going to be close to 30. I think it's going to be around what they are now, 28 and a half, 27 points. I think they're going to kind of hover back and forth in that range where they'll have a 40-point game somewhere, you know, possibly against – you know, the Raiders maybe score 40-plus against the Saints, which will tip it higher. But I think it's going to hover around that 28-26 mark, and it's going to float in that range. I think more importantly, it's the points against that need to go down, and that's almost at 26 a game. So I don't think they're going to quite get to 30, but I think it's going to be hovering around there. If they can keep it at 28 and a half, and get that points attempt to go down, they're right where they want to be. But no, false. They will not average 30 points per game this year. I'm going to say true just because they better. If they want to win a lot of games with this defense, they need to score a lot of points. Jeff, and I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, I don't think this defense is nearly as bad as everyone says it is. I, I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, this is the worst defense in history. I'm like, whoa, calm down. This is this is just this is an unprecedented era of the NFL where there were more 400 yard passing performances in September than there were all of 2017. Uh, and th- that's one thing when I look at it, I'm like, dang, like this, this is just we're seeing something different right now because of all the rules and offenses are figuring out how to maximize in these situations. Um, and and I, I really I look back at these games and I say I, I, I look and I see, huh? You know, the, the Browns game, that was not a bad de- de- defensive de- performance. The Chiefs game, absolutely. That was complete garbage. But I look at the Buccaneers game. Yeah, they sure, they gave up uh, – uh, well, they did. They almost gave up a uh, second-half lead. But at the same time, they also had four straight forced turnovers and a pick six. Um, you know, that I can't categorize that game as a, as a bad one. And you look, you look at the Ravens game. They gave up two early scores, one on, but only one of them came on a, on a long drive. Um, and after that, they didn't give up a touchdown. Now you got this game, uh, with the Falcons game where they completely dominated, but then you had this game where the only touchdowns other than, I mean, even, even the last touchdown, all of them came on short field. They didn't have a touchdown drive of 70 yards or, uh, or, you know, or, or their, their longest touchdown was 61 yards on a drive. I just, I think this defense is a lot better than people give it credit for. And they're still young and learning. Like they're, they're going, I think this defense is going to be, a, if, if they're healthy and, and you get and especially if they get some improvement out of burns, if uh, if Cam Sutton continues to grow in the role he is and that these safeties continue to grow, I think this defense is going to have enough 
to be able to take people on in the playoffs. Um, and, and I honestly think they're they're get, they're setting themselves up to be a problem for the Patriots. Okay, well let me ask you this, CC. It's real simple. What's up? Okay. And maybe it's because I'm doing two shows a week with Lance now and he's rubbing off on me a little bit. <laughs> but still. Let me... <laughs> the cynicism. The cynicism. No, no, yes, exactly. Let's go, let's go back to Sunday. It's probably a little shy of 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the Cincinnati Bengals get the ball. Erickson has a decent return. And they have the football around the two-minute warning. Did you seriously think that the Steelers were going to come up with a stop? when it mattered the most. I, I thought the only chance they had was if they got pressure to the, to the, to the quarterback. But, but again, now, yes or no, CC, don't give me this long <laughs> spiel. Yes or no. Did you think they were no, going to get I, a stop? I didn't think they'd get a stop. Exactly. And that's my point is that this defense doesn't need to be the 2000 and early 2000s defense. And the, you know, the, those great teams in 2008, 2009, it doesn't have to be that. But what but defense do... is that's what, no, that's no, no, what no, no, no. About. I know. I know. I know. Cause even if you look at the, probably one of the better defenses in the league and like in the, in the Rams, I mean, they're still getting scored on as well. I get the that. Jaguars. They, that, that uh, the Jaguars I, up. I know. I know. I know it happens. What I'm saying though, is that <laughs> the Steelers defense needs to just get timely stops. That's what they need. They're going to get scored on. Everyone gets scored on. Well, you just made that point. My theory is, is that if this defense can come up with the timely stops, we're talking third downs, we're talking those situations like the end of the half, the end of the game where you just need to get a stop. I had no faith because I knew it was in four down territory that they were going to stop the Bengals on four straight downs, and they didn't. Thankfully, they scored quickly. So we'll agree to disagree on that one, but I feel, I still think the Steelers offense, cause that's where this whole conversation got started mm-hmm. was, I think they will go 30 points per game because like you said, the trend of the NFL is that it's a high scoring league now. All right, let's go back to the defensive side for the next one. Um, Bud Dupree or TJ Watt, not both or one or the other will end the season with double digit sack totals. True or false. CC will go to you first. Uh, true. I, I don't. I don't see Dupree getting double digit sacks. I do see Watt getting double digit. I think Dupree gets close. I think he ends the season with eight. Um, but I, I also see a defensive front. Just they're going to divide up these sacks a lot. One because because uh, Keith Butler loves to um, he he loves to drop these blitz schemes, man. And he's going to get he's going to try and maximize where where the blitz is coming from and who gets the opportunities. And uh, I think Dupree will get his fair fair amount, but the created set the the, the self created one on one sacks those are going to come from Watt Hayward and and Tuit finally got his. I think you're going to start to see a little bit more from him. He's going to end up with like six, I want to say, on the season. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm going with the with the true because uh, it'll it'll be just Watt that has the double digits. Okay, I I agree. I agree. I'm going to go with true, and I'm going to give you the scenario in which it plays out. So right now, Watt is leading the team with six sacks. Dupree has three. Mm -hmm. We're going to play that forward through the end of the year. T.J. Watt will have 12 sacks, right? This is my prediction. He's going to have 12 sacks, 12 or 12-plus sacks. Bud Dupree is going to be sitting at nine sacks. He is going to get a 10th sack late in the year and get an illegal hands to the face (laughs) and it's going to be taken off the board and he's going to finish with nine sacks. That's how it's going to work. So TJ is going to have 12, 12 plus. Dupree is going to finish with nine 
and the tenth is going to come off due to illegal hands to the face. Chalk it up. <laughs> I agree with you guys. I think it's true for all the reasons you all said more. We have one more here. Awesome. True or false? The Steelers will not lose another AFC North division game this year. CC, true or false? <clears throat> I say true. I'm not scared of any of those teams. Um, and not, I don't even think to the Steelers' merit. The Ravens are too inconsistent. The Bengals, are, I, I think they're, they're, they're just not going to do well at Heinz Field. The Browns, I think, are about to get decimated. I think they – the, the nuance of they have a new quarterback and all these these aggressive youngsters on defense has worn off the they're 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 about to be thrust back into the the, the basement of reality um and uh, yeah so I, I say true because I, I'm not I don't think that the, the Steelers have anything to fear about the Ravens um they will be in Baltimore but I think that they'll have enough to take them on into in uh well three weeks Lance what say you I'm going to agree with CeCe. I'm going to say true. I think they'll beat the Bengals at home. I think they'll beat the Browns. The Browns won't surprise them this time. And I think they're going to go on a road in Baltimore and do typically what the Steelers in Baltimore do. Well, I don't know if typically is the right adjective. I think they're going to split. And I think they're going to go in Baltimore on the road and win that football game. I think it's going to be a tough football game where they win, you know, Three points, two points, you know, you know, typical Steelers Ravens game where it's going to be hard hitting, but clean and come down to the wire. So I think they're going to win the next three games. These next two will the two division games after the bye and beat Cincinnati late. So I don't think they're going to lose another division game. I'm going to say false. I think that they win the next two games, as you all predicted, but I'm going to predict that the week 17 game against Cincinnati will be completely meaningless for Pittsburgh and they'll, they'll lose the game and people will freak out heading into the playoffs. It might even be a scenario where because the Steelers have wrapped up their division, I hope uh, that the Steelers maybe cannot advance their place in the playoffs. There's no need to put players out on the field that don't need to. And the Bengals probably get the win, but that's just, We'll see. All right. So I have a couple things here. And CC, I'm not, I did not tell you about this, but Lance, I prefaced this on our post game show. And I said I was going to ask you okay. about it today. And that was a question about Antonio Brown. Now, Antonio Brown, since he has become the superstar that he is, I'm not talking about when Antonio Brown was a rookie or when, you know, Heinz Ward was the number one and Antonio Brown was just a guy. We're talking young money crew and on. Okay. Okay. Um, the question is, is the Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster the best duo for the Pittsburgh Steelers since Antonio Brown has been the guy? Lance, I asked you, I'll give Chris a, a chance to think about it. Lance, you had time to think about it. You had already said that you don't think it is on your postgame show. So if you don't think that it's the best duo, who was the better tandem with Antonio Brown? Was it Mike Wallace? Was it Martavis Bryant? What do you think, Lance? It was Mike Wallace, in my opinion. When you look at Wallace's numbers, you look at his four years with the Steelers, he averaged 19.4 yards per catch, 21, 16, and 13. But the impressive thing were the touchdowns, 16 and 12, 16 and 16. I mean, the guy had, what's that, 32 touchdowns? The guy had 32 touchdowns in four years. I mean, that's just incredible production. And they were going to pay Mike Wallace. It just did not work out. So I think the, the, the best combo 
was Mike Wallace and Antonio Brown. And the thing that Mike Wallace could do, although he was a one-trick pony, as Mike Tomlin described him, that trick was really good. His ability to get over the top of defenses was was awesome. I mean, also, when you look at his stats in those years, you know, 1,300 receiving yards, roughly another 1,200. I mean, he went from 756 to 1,257 to 1,200 to 836. I mean, that's a ton of production. And the touchdowns is what sets it off. I mean, all those touchdowns, all those scores. I mean, I mean that, that's a lot. Maybe I did my math wrong. Uh, you know, I apologize for that. Uh, but, yeah, I think I got the math right. But that's a ton of touchdowns, 30-plus touchdowns, four seasons. I mean, that that's numbers. So I think Wallace and Brown were the best tandem. What about you, CC? What do you think? So I got to ask, are we judging just purely on their talent or their connection um, or, or their connection at with Roethlisberger? Are we are we just considering them as individuals? I, the way now I'm looking at the 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 duo, you know, being the great, they work well together in tandem. That one helps the other. Um, you obviously saw at the beginning of this season with Antonio Brown and his frustrations, and you know a lot of people wonder is Juju Smith Schuster going to be able to do enough to free up Antonio Brown? And and while that still is a talking point in the narrative, um. It's it's you know like he like Lance brought up a lot of statistics about Mike Wallace. He was very productive, but it also helped out Antonio Brown at the same time. So um, you can incorporate all that. You can incorporate the relationship with Roethlisberger into it as well. Um, but really, who do you think was the best duo with Antonio Brown when he was Antonio Brown? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with Juju, man. I, I see this man doing way too much right now. Um, you know, I, I agree. I was I in in uh. Jeff, you you can hold me to this. I, I was a huge Mike Wallace backer back when back in the day. Um, I, I watched several times when um, I was just like, you you can't match up with that guy uh, because he's because his speed's just too much. And with Antonio Brown, it was it was they, they were just electric. Um, but I also think it's important to remember we didn't really get to see Antonio Brown be the Antonio Brown until Mike Wallace left, um, and. and and that really that is, um, and I think that's why I would say because this version of Antonio Brown I think is much better than the one that that was that had just gotten that big that got just gotten that nice contract when uh, Mike Wallace was uh, refusing to take his contract. So uh, the threat Antonio Brown is better than right now is better than either of the the wallet the the wallace of the brown that was back then and i think that the threat that juju brings as a multifaceted weapon and a guy that can go up and win those combat catches i think that's that presents more of a problem for what ben roth is able to do ren roethlisberger is able to do right now than mike wallace's deep threat um because whereas that that ko shot is nice but we saw in those years that that ko shot can be taken away by good defenses and I don't think you can really take Juju away unless you put on him a superstar cornerback, and I don't think you can scheme him out of a game. Um, and and really, the Patriots couldn't do it because even when Antonio Brown came off the field, Juju Smith-Schuster was hurting them. Um, so I, I I would take Juju and AB over AB and Mike Wallace or whoever else in that in that combination. 
I agree with you, Chris, because like you said, Juju Smith-Schuster kind of does everything well. He blocks right. well. He he has shown that he can be a deep threat. Now, he's not a burner. He's right. not a Martavis Bryant type, but you look at like Martavis Bryant. And boy, did Antonio Brown have some productive years when when uh, Bryant was in, in town. But yeah. you know, the problem was is that not only did he have the issues off the field, but he really just was a distraction a lot of times. I mean, yeah. not, not off the field distraction, but in terms of defensively drawing attention away from Brown. And it was the same with Wallace. Um, I even went back and I even thought about Jericho Cotri because he did have like, what, 11 or 12 touchdowns and receptions that one year or two years that he was there. But Emmanuel Sanders, even um, when Emmanuel Sanders was in, again, he was not as complete when he was in Pittsburgh as Juju Smith-Schuster is now. And the scary thing about this for me is that Juju Smith-Schuster is only going to get better. I hope people realize that. Like This oh, is yeah. not his ceiling. This is not the best that we're going to see. He still has room for improvement. So, um, yeah, I agree. So, Lance, good points. I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all because ultimately Mike Wallace had, did have some great years, and Antonio Brown, that was when he was a budding superstar. Now, Lance, did you have any questions for Chris before we get into our game picks for this week? No, let's jump right into them. All right, so we're just going to pick the AFC North games. There's three games. The Steelers are the only AFC North team with a bye this week. We'll real quick. You don't have to elaborate. Just say who you think is going to win, and uh, we'll see what maybe if our predictions are right as, as the dust settles. So we're going to start off with um, the Browns play the – oh, geez, I just had it here. Um, the Buccaneers, they go down to Tampa Bay. That's who they play. The Browns are 2-3-1. and one. Lance, who wins this game, Cleveland or Tampa Bay? I could never pick a team as bad as Cleveland has been over the last several years to go on a road and do anything. Give me the Bucks. Famous Jameis gets busy, puts up big numbers. Bucks win that game. Okay, what about you, CC? Chris, you sorry, I, 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 lost, I lost you guys for a second. I, I couldn't. I okay, that's couldn't okay. Hear who 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 the game was? It's Cleveland and Tampa Bay. Oh, it's uh, mm, that's interesting. Um, I don't know who Lance picked. But I'm gonna go with the uh, with the Buccaneers just because I feel like they've got a lot of talent, and I think that they're gonna be able to find a way to win. They're also a little bit hungrier. Um, I think Baker Mayfield's still figuring out a lot. I, I'm one of the people. I don't know if you guys are which 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 hype train you guys are on. I, I've been one of the people that have been saying that Baker Mayfield is not all that. Um. I've been a person that's been saying for a while, like, look, um, Baker Mayfield, I think, is a, is a going to be a decent quarterback in the NFL, but he's not a number one overall pick. I thought he, he could have been weighted on until the second round. Um, and I think that people are going to start seeing that over time and realize, man, they, they could have had this guy or that guy. I think Denzel Ward's the truth, but I am not a Baker Mayfield fan. I think that's going to cost them in this game. Um, I'll go, I'll buck the trend. I'll say the Browns went on the road just because you guys both picked the Bucks, And so I'll say that the Cleveland Browns, um, I do think they're improved. Um, and Jameis Winston and him and his eating his dubs, he can do that somewhere <laughs> else. So. Very good point. Very good point. He's, he's annoying, man. <laughs> yes, very much so. All right. Now last next game, this is going to be a good one. Um, if, if you're a Steeler fan and you get this game, whether you have Sunday ticket or whether you are in the viewing area, Baltimore Ravens at home versus the New Orleans Saints is going to be a good one to watch. Lance, we'll throw it to you again. Who do you like, Ravens or Saints, at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland? 
I think you put Drew Brees outdoors against the best defense in the National Football League. Unfortunately, I think the Ratbirds win that game. Okay, CC. I got the Saints, man. I think their offensive line is is consistent enough. They're going to come away with enough plays. Um, I think that, and I think their offense. I think Drew Brees is going to see through a lot of the things that Baltimore likes to do. He's going to pick apart their soft spots. And uh, I don't think Baltimore is going to be consistent enough on offense to capitalize on the Saints. And I think it's going to it's going to be a little bit of a shootout, but Drew Brees is going to pull ahead late in the game. Um, I live in Maryland. I hate the Ravens more than most fans, and I'm never going to pick the Ravens to do anything positive. So the Saints win this game because of that. And um, that would be great news for Pittsburgh because that would move them to four and three. uh, And the Steelers would still be a half game out. But I'll tell you what, that would leave the door wide open. Now, the last game, everyone will get to see this one. We get to see the Bengals in primetime, folks. We know that's such a joy to watch. Um, The Cincinnati Bengals. Go to Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, to play Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs are coming off a loss to the Patriots. The Bengals are coming off a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is interesting. We actually have on our live chat on YouTube a Bengals fan who listened last week, credited us, or I should say me, because Lance was very biased and called him the Bungles, and he just didn't hear that part. He said, in our opinion, because he's watching the show, do we think that the Bengals are a playoff team or was it just a hot start? So pick the game, Bengals or Chiefs, in Kansas City and answer D-Claw's question, do you think that the Bengals are a playoff team or do you think it was just a flash in the pan? Lance, we'll start with you. I think the Bengals are going to get lit up. (laughs) Tell them how you feel. Excuse me. Bungles. Lit (laughs) up. The only chance they have in this game is that defensive line has to cook. If that defensive line is not cooking, if Gino and Dunlop and those guys aren't cooking, they are going to get lit up. Nobody can stop Kansas City. That's just what it is. You're going to give up 30-plus, and at home, they're going to get lit up. As far as them being a playoff team, they're talented enough. The question is, will they get it done? And that's always the question with Cincinnati. Something seems to happen with Cincinnati. I don't think this division gets three playoff teams. I think the Steelers, if they continue to trend positively on a defensive side of football, and the Ravens are the two playoff teams coming out the north, the Bungles will not make the playoffs, and they should have fired Marvin Lewis last year. Stop rooting for that trash team and root for somebody else. <laughs> the Bungles are garbage. Garbage. So much for the unbiased point of view. Anyways, CC, what do you think about the Bengals Chiefs in their playoff hosts? Oh, did we curse I, got the, I got the Chiefs smoking these guys. Um, I, I do want to warn people. Yo, guys. Yeah, go ahead. You're there. We're here. Can you hear me? Yes. We got you. Okay. So, yeah, it's this dang. Oh, sorry about that. Internet connection. Okay. Um, I, I got the Chiefs. Um, I, I do want to warn people. Andy Reid teams start really hot. Their offenses look unstoppable. And then some random mystic power floats over them and takes away their, their scoring ability late in the season. Um, but I don't think it happens this week. I think that there's some weaknesses flash, but I think that the Chiefs are good enough to overcome them against this Bengals team. I don't think they're consistent enough. I'm right with you, Lance. 
Um, Marvin Lewis does not have it together. I think he's done a good job. He did a good job years ago resurrecting the Bengals and making making them a uh, you know a competitive team. But he is not the the guy that can make them win the big games. Um, and uh, the, until until they gut the culture that is Vontez Perfect, um, and unfortunately Drake Kirkpatrick. Now he's he seems to have been sucked up into that. I, I think that. Kirkpatrick had a chance to be a decent cornerback and he just continues to fall into that, that culture and just is messing them, messing them up. Um, but uh, I just think the Bengals, they're not good enough. They have a bad organization and uh, the chiefs are going to walk out on top. But I, I forewarn people do not bank on the chiefs to continue to explode all season long. Yeah. And the I'm... Bengals won't make the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> throw that in there slide that in there um (laughs) for me i i agree with you guys that kansas city at home is going to win i think also people are forgetting how beat up the Bengals are man that that was a physical football game last week thankfully the steelers have a bye week to kind of rest and recover but they are a beat up bunch i mean there's a their injury report is long who knows if Vontez Burfick will be allowed to play in this game. Uh, we have yet to hear from the NFL on him. Um, if we did, I haven't heard the news. Um, but still, for me, I think that the Chiefs run away with this game. And I think that the Bengals, again, not good on primetime. Don't forget about that. I think that this could, this could be the trend of them leveling out. They're going to be a team that's going to be in the mix late in the season. As I said earlier, that Week 17 game might mean something for them. Uh, but we'll see. I don't think they're a horrible team. I think they were playing a little bit above their above their head, so to speak, earlier. You know, they had that come from behind win against Atlanta, and they had a couple other come from behind wins. Um, that's not always going to happen. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce away, but I think the Bengals lose. And I'll say that they missed the playoffs just because, well, Marvin Lewis. So there you have it. Um, Lance, anything else for CC before we call it a show? No, I just want to thank you, CC, for hopping on, man. Continue to do a fantastic job with DK and the boys in Pittsburgh, man. Congratulations to you on that. Thanks, man. It's it's such a blessing to be there and uh, to to know that I've been able to work with you guys and glad to keep see you guys still going strong. Um, yeah, yeah. I encourage everyone who's listening to this. If you're not if you if you're not reading everything on behind the steel curtain, continue to do so. Check us out at dkpittsburghsports.com and or me on Twitter at Carter Critiques. Um, cause we get the, we get, we can get that inside access, but absolutely stick with Jeff, Jeff and Lance. You're in good hands there at be, uh, behind the steel curtain. Uh, I love the environment there. I still read you guys from time to time. Um, and you know, cause I got to read a lot these days, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but this is the, you guys are a great group and I'm so glad I was able to get back on your show. Absolutely, folks. If you're looking for a pay site, if you're going to pay for content, you want to pay for something that's quality. And I do know that Dale Lolly and, and CC on the Steelers side of that site are well worth the money. And so if you follow Dale, you follow Chris before, you know what you're getting. Good stuff, quality stuff. I recommend it. Um, as always, make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. We're still throwing 10 articles a day at you folks. I'm not joking. Smack. Bye week. 10 articles, not lying. Make sure you follow us on all of our platforms for podcasts, whether it's Stitch, Art19, Google Play, uh, iTunes, here on YouTube, as well as Spotify. Hell, we're everywhere. So follow us, listen to our podcast. The next show coming up is a Steelers preview. I know I will be here on Sunday with a Steelers post game, even though they're not playing. We'll recap all the AFC North uh, news. Lance, you're out, right? You're not here this Sunday. 
right? Uh, I'll be floating around, so I'll probably try to hop on. No, oh, he's somewhere. He's a busy man, folks. Okay, so we'll, we'll see you next time on the standard. <laughs> standard. See ya. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.